Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Your grace is sufficient, oh God. Lord, your strength is made perfect in weakness. Oh my God. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for a new day. Thank you for these new mercies. Ah. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. My soul says yes unto your will and to your way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Have you we, Lord? Have you we in our midst? Have you we, Lord? Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, love of my soul. Ah, oh, let me to thy bosom fly. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high. Hide me, O oh my Savior, hide. Till the storms of life is past. Save for you, God, in thy heavenly arms. Oh, receive my soul at last. My God, I'm depending on you. My God, I trust in you. Oh, God, teach us how to wait. Teach us how to wait upon you. More than they, Lord, that watch for the morning. More, Lord, than they that watch for the morning. Hallelujah. Jesus. <coughs> Jesus, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus. Build us up, O oh Lord, in our most holy faith. Teach us to pray in the Holy Spirit. 
my God, your prayer answering God. You are the God that healeth us. Heal us, O oh God, from all our adversities. Lord, heal us from our afflictions. Heal us from our maladies. My God, my God. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you this morning, again thanking you for your great grace. Thanking you for our receiving your Holy Spirit, O oh God. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost you poured out upon us. You poured it out upon our flesh. You sealed us with your spirit. You renewed our inner man. Oh God, we thank you. Give us grace, oh God, to walk in faith, to trust you, to believe you. My God, my God. Remember your ministering servants everywhere. Those that call upon your name in truth. Father, we thank you. Continue to bless us, oh God. Fill our cup, Lord. Fill it up. Oh God, come and quench the thirsting in our soul. Feed us with the bread of heaven. My God, my God. Remember, Lord, the women of God. Those that labor with us. Strengthen them. Remember Sister Lillian today, oh God, and the work she now has to do. Oh God, give her the strength, the wisdom, the might, and the power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We glorify your name, O oh God. Oh, for your name is that strong tower. Remember, Sister Angelique, Lord. Lord, continue to stir her heart. Keep her in your word, my God. Keep her with that hunger and that thirst for your word. Remember, Brother Horace, my God. Draw him even more into your word. Remember, Minister Brown, and the job she has to do. Father, pour out more of your anointing. Pour out that love, O oh God, upon your people. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And a pleasant good morning to you, you and you, Brother Brown, here this morning and it's so good to be back always in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy and in the midst of this holy nation this peculiar people this nation of kings and priests this ministry of reconciliation it's always my joy my honor to be with you in the name of Jesus Christ today is Thursday the 11th day of June 2020 and we thank God he has brought us thus far we've had an exciting year <laughs> oh my god oh we could have made this stuff up <laughs> hallelujah but as the Lord opened the seals we see each day the revelation 
of the things that lie ahead. We see perilous times coming in the name of Jesus Christ. Thursday, 11th of June, 2020. And this is the Master of Arts New Testament Letters program. We are studying the book of 2 Corinthians. We are up to chapter 6 in the name of Jesus Christ. Our topic today, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. Our topic today, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. It's vital that we understand that this is the ministry of Jesus Christ. Men have attached their names to it, saying their ministry, but the truth is, it is the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we take care of the church of God. We don't rule the church. If a man can't rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Our responsibility is to take care of the church of God. But we ought to be careful in undertaking our task that we not give offense in anything. Mark those which cause offenses. Giving no offense in anything. Why? That the ministry be not blamed. We must protect that which God have made us stewards over and not allow any blame to be laid on the ministry. So to do that, it is necessary that we not be offensive in our words, our deeds, our action. We must preach a word. We must be instant, in season, out of season. We must stand on the word, uncompromising with the word of God, but giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Our administration of the ministry of Jesus Christ must be such that we are ready to give an answer whenever it is called for. But we must be sure that we give no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Paul had gone to Athens, stood in the midst of Mars Hill, looked around and then addressed these learned men, philosophers, theologians, and men who had sought to know about God. They did not know him, and he said unto them, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Their minds had caused them to Think vain thoughts. Their imaginations had run rampant. And they had developed superstitions and such like. And they began to set up altars to every single god that they could find. Paul stood in the midst of Marsil and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. We see the same superstition in our world today. Men and women being so superstitious, they wear things around their necks. They put things in their cars, images and idols. They put things on their doors, under their feet, on their bed. And because of their superstitions, they go crazy. 
quiet madness. Paul said, you are too superstitious. For as I pass by and beheld your devotions, your worship, your offerings up to God, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So, you are being so superstitious, you're trying to be careful, you set up an altar to a God you did not even know. He said, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. I'm declaring to you the Lord of heaven. The God that you're worshiping in ignorance because of your lack of knowledge, your lack of wisdom, your understanding be not open. You're worshiping in ignorance. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Jesus told the woman, the Samaritan woman, ye worship, ye know not what. You're worshiping. But you don't even know what you're worshipping. Jesus told us, woman, ye worship, you know not what. You into Catholicism? You into Buddhism? You into Islam? You mix up a little bit of everything. You boil soup and then you're worshipping with a pot of soup. A whole bunch of mix-up, mix-up. You took and you boil soup and you're worshipping. Jesus said, ye worship, you know not what. You don't even know what you're worshiping. We know. We know, Jesus said, what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. If you want to be saved, if you want to be saved, if you want to know the Lord, if you want to know the unknown God, you must realize that He's the God of Jacob, He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Abraham. He's the Lord of heaven. He's my God. His name is Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He brings you salvation. Him declare I unto you. Now, Jesus was a topic of discussion in the Sanhedrin in Israel. The Sanhedrin got together, St. John chapter 11, verse 48, and they had discussions concerning Jesus. Who is this Jesus? We're looking for a Messiah. We're looking for one that's going to come conquering and to conquer and destroy and tear down the institutions. We're looking for one that's going to make us powerful. We charge everything. That's what they were looking for. But behold, he's meek and lowly. He comes not trying to demonstrate his great power, but his great love. So they looked at Jesus and noticed that he was accumulating a great following. And they said, if we let him alone, if we let him thus alone, if we leave him alone, all men will believe on him. If we leave Jesus alone, the crowds, the multitudes will believe on him. End result, the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. So, the chief concern, the objective of the Sanhedrin was to maintain their political positions. They wanted to remain in power. And they considered Jesus a threat to them staying in power. If we leave Jesus alone... The Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. 
We see the same situations happening worldwide during our generation. If we leave Jesus alone, all men will believe on him. And armed forces shall come and remove individuals from their places of power, subjugate nations. The same things happened in the time of Jesus Christ. This is not some new discussion. So they decided that Jesus should be put to death, spearing themselves, their positions, and the nation. So they made that decision to offer Jesus to Pilate to be crucified. But he arose from the dead. He says, you have no power against me, except it was given you from above. He said, I have power to lay my life down and to take it up again. So Jesus laid his life down. He said, it is finished. And Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Men and women have done so many things in ignorance, not knowing what they're doing, regretting the deeds that they have done. And Jesus was now saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They ignorantly worship, and they ignorantly worship God. So, they offered up Jesus to be crucified. Now, it must be remembered that, as we see in Acts chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, God, the Spirit, the Spirit of God against whom man had transgressed, in times past, allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. It allowed them to go off and do whatever they would, yet clothe them, with the skins of animals, he had shown them that a blood sacrifice is necessary for their redemption, but in times past, he allowed all nations to walk in their own ways until Jesus died. After Jesus died, Jesus gathered disciples, taught Israel, fulfilled the law, kept the covenants, the ordinance, all those things Fulfill the promises made to the fathers, telling his disciples not to go in the ways of the Gentiles, but teach Israel. Israel would be a nation of kings and priests to the world. So after he had taught his disciples at his resurrection, he sent them forth into the world, telling them, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He then opened their understanding, causing them to know that he himself, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He opened their understanding, saying, I am he. So the disciples' understanding were opened. The Bible says, then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures and he said unto them thus it behove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name so he sent them forth into the world Paul and Silas went out and they went to a place called Philippi saw a young woman with a spirit of divination she could 
dig up stuff just like the witch of Endor. She could tell your future. She could discern who you were, but she did it by divination which her Lord had forbidden. And Paul and Silas were now teaching the Philippians the things concerning Jesus Christ because Jesus had now sent his disciples into all the world. They were arrested and charged with teaching customs which were not lawful for the Philippians to receive, neither observe, being under the threat of the Romans just like the Sanhedrin in Israel were. So the Romans had a role, and their role was to maintain world dominance. The role of the Romans was to exercise force in nations to keep their dominance over the people of the world. So Paul and Silas were charged with teaching things that were not lawful for the Philippians to receive, or else the Romans would come and inflict hurt, harm, and damage on them. So Paul and Silas were thrown in jail, and uh, when they were released, they departed, and they came to Corinth. Arrived in Corinth, they found Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue. They preached a word of God to him, and he believed. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he was saved. Salvation comes through believing. Acts chapter 18 verse 8. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. You see, first you believe. You become a believer. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You are now saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then baptism follows after. It makes no sense for you to be baptized into something that you do not believe. But believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And this was what happened in the house of Christmas. But now it presented another situation. Crispus, being the chief ruler of the synagogue, was now in a position of influence where he could influence the rest of the Jews. So there was an uprising in Corinth because the Jews did not want the others to believe on Jesus Christ. So wherever the Lord goes, wherever his name goes, there will be conflict. But we must be careful to give none offense to any man in anything that the ministry be not blamed. So we have to walk a tight rope with loving kindness we draw individuals. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we continue our studies today Verse 1 says, We then, we then as workers together with him. Remember, I said to you, it's the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we then are workers together with him. We beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. We're offering to you, we're presenting to you the grace of God. What is the grace of God? The unmerited favor, things we didn't deserve, things we did not earn, is now are now being presented to us. We then, as workers together with the Lord, beseech you also 
that you, just like Crispus and his house, received the Lord, believed and were baptized, that you also would do the same. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Don't just, oh yes, I receive it, I walk in vain. Continuing sin, that grace may abound. No, God has forbidden that. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? For he said, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee, have I helped thee. Now behold, now is the accepted time, right now. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Salvation is of the Jews. Today is the day. In the day that you hear his voice, harden not your heart, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. God has now brought you into the ministry of Jesus Christ. So we then, as workers together with him, beg you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Turn from the life of sin, transgression, degradation, and corruption. Turn from that life. Turn away from that. Don't give any offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. You are now a minister of reconciliation, seeking others to be reconciled unto Christ. Because the Lord said, I have heard thee. I heard your cry. I heard your groanings, your moanings, things that could not be uttered. I have heard thee. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. He said, Behold, look, now is the acceptable time right now. Behold, now is the day that salvation is come to your house. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So give no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. It is better that you suffer affliction, suffer persecution, and everything that the, minister of, the ministry of Jesus Christ be not blamed. But in all things, but in everything, in all things, are proving ourselves as the ministers of God. We are the ministers of God. We are the ministers of reconciliation. But in all things, we ought to be approved as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the arm of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. My, my, my. It's a pretty long list. 
But we do this so that the ministry is not blamed in anything. It's a high responsibility to be a minister. To be a minister is to become the oracle of God. It's a high calling. It's one that only God can qualify you for. Only God can stamp his approval and his seal upon you. Only God can graduate you out into the field. There are many who have the ability, but they're not willing. They're not able. Many who are able are unwilling, some lack the ability. But it's God that brings all these together so that you're able to function in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we ought not to be given offense in anything. We have a high calling. Jesus was tried, examined before Herod, Pontius Pilate. They found no fault in him. So we likewise, when we are examined, tried, ought not to give offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. So we must take the time to look at our positions, our calling, and what we do. We as under shepherd, Jesus Christ being the chief shepherd and bishop of our souls, we as under shepherds ought to be careful how we manage, administrate the things we have placed, the things that were placed in our stewardship. So giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. Be careful in the words that you use, what you pose, how you conduct yourself, the things you say, do, how you interact. Make sure it comes from the place of love, the place of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Make sure you can say, this is what the Lord led me to do. This is what the Lord told me to say. And you can stand upon Christ in all your trials, giving none offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things, approving ourselves as the minister of God, being approved of God, being tried, being tested, being proven, and God will cause your work to bring forth fruit. I was overjoyed yesterday as I saw a young minister and he labored and I heard the shout of rejoicing, the shout of victory, victory when one overcame all the miseducation, when one overcame all the things, the obstacles that were laid in the way and came forth rejoicing. He came back bringing in sheaves with him, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things are proven yourselves. The Bible says, and these must first be proven. You want to use the office of a deacon? You want to use the office of a bishop? You must be proven, tried, tested, and approved. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God. Now, we must point out, just as you have ministers of God, they are ministers of Satan. Satan will manifest himself as an angel of light. How much more is ministers? So you have to try those ministers. You have to try the spirit. You got to know them. Many are turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. One more time. Many ministers have been turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh 
that their spirits may be saved in the day of the Lord. So just as you have the ministers of Jesus Christ, you also have the ministers of Satan. And they will manifest themselves as an angel of light. So you ought to try that spirit. Put the pressure on it. Put the name of Jesus on it. And look and see if that knee bows. For every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But in all things are proven ourselves as the ministers of God. You got to prove what kind of minister you are. I'm going to put the test on you. Oh, you might not know when or where, but he's coming. You got to prove who you are. You got to identify yourself. My God, my God. But in all things are proven ourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience. Yes, that fruit of the spirit. You got to demonstrate the fruit of the spirit. You can't fool me with tongues. A parrot can speak in tongues. My tape recorder can repeat the tongues that it hears. My tape recorder can't live holy. A parrot don't have patience. A parrot can't endure long suffering. But in all things, approving yourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, when all you have is what you have. I was teasing my wife the other day, letting her know that I ate a mayonnaise sandwich. And she said, what? What's a mayonnaise sandwich? Two slices of bread with some mayonnaise slapped in the middle so that it can go down easy. My God, my God, in afflictions, in necessity, you eat what you have. He didn't send you to a beggar. He didn't send you to put up your cash up sign about your begging money in the name of the Lord. No, the Lord promised to supply your needs according to his riches and glory. You might find yourself down by the brook as the prophet did and he will send that dirty bird, that raven that abandoned the ark, that abandoned the ark of Noah. God will send that Raven to bring you bread and you got water to drink. He didn't send you to beg. These beggars and robbers and cunning crafty men begging in the name of the Lord, hanging up signbow cash at me, are thieves and robbers. Paul said I could have used the power, but I used no such thing. The apostle never did that. He never begged because God promised to supply his need according to his riches in glory. He didn't ask nobody to sow a seed for God promised the seed that the woman would crush the serpent's head. Christ, the seed. It is Christ. I am. The I am will come. He said, I will come to you. In distresses. When it looked like all hope is gone. Hope is gone. We in distress. The Lord brings us life. Because he is the life. In stripes. When you're chastised. Beaten. Accused. Misused. In stripes. Rejoice that you will found worthy to suffer for the name of the Lord. In imprisonment, when folks shut you in and shut you out, they lock you out and they lock you in. Oh, you rejoice in the Lord. And at midnight, as you praise the Lord, the Lord break your shackles. He set you free in the spirit. In tumors, when things begin to rise up against you, when you work so you work till you can't go no more, the Lord send you a message saying, I know you're tired. But not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. In watchings, 
Spend the time, the night, watching and praying. Praying for the brethren. Praying that you give them the strength to overcome, to endure hardness. Praying in fastings. Don't think it's all about food. You have a whole bunch of people fasting from food, but their hearts and minds are filled with unforgiveness, wickedness, holding people in bondage, in malice. All the things that the Lord abhors, all the things that the Lord is against, and they run around and speaking in tongues, filled with wickedness. But God getting a chosen fast. So, uh, Isaiah 58. Read what the chosen fast is. The fast that the Lord desire. By pureness. When you're tried. You're pure. You just got to know that your heart is pure. That's all. You do the work of him that sent you. With a pure heart. By knowledge. Not by ignorance. Many have operated on hearsay. Many have operated on, oh, somebody said this, so I repeat it. You don't know. You're ignorant. You're repeating things you heard. You have not proven. You're just saying stuff. Show me where it is. By knowledge. You got to know by long-suffering, enduring hardness. As a good soldier, by kindness, be kind, tender-hearted, one to another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. By the Holy Ghost, the Spirit is going to prove itself. You have the Holy Spirit and you have an evil spirit. That's why the Bible says the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. Many spirits are going, don't come tell me about the Spirit told you. I want to know which spirit. Is it the spirit of Jesus Christ? <laughs> That's why you make folk know. Uh-uh. Don't bring me no foolishness. You can't fool me. The spirit told me. Which spirit told you? Which spirit told you? You have Holy Spirit. You have evil spirit. You have lying spirits. You have all kind of spirits. So you try the spirit with a be of God. And by love unfeign. You know folk fake love. But by love unfeign. Oh I'm so glad to see you. And when you walk away. Me just wish that I just hurry up and leave. Fake love. Double tongue. Double minded. Unstable. Not true. The Bible says, by the word of truth and by the power of God, by the arm of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left. You got to put on the old arm of God and keep it on. You got to keep on the arm of God in your lying down, in your getting up, in your walk, in your talk, in your life. You got to be always ready for a fight. That means you have to always have on the full armor of God. By honor and dishonor. Folk will come and, oh, I'm honoring you, I'm honoring you. Same folk turn around and dishonor you. Folk turn around and disrespect you. But you accept all things knowing that all things are of God. So by honor and by dishonor. Makes no difference. By evil report and good... Folk will say evil uh, uh, about you. All manner of evil falsely. But you accept them just the same. Making sure that it is said falsely. 
by evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true folk will look at you oh you're a deceiver you're this you're that but you have to know that you stand in the truth and on the truth and the truth is jesus christ as unknown and yet well known folk want to know well who are you who know you did you know bishop so and so and do you know apostle so and so and did you know you said, oh, well, that stuff don't mean anything to me. I'm not known as unknown, yet well known. Once you're known of the Lord, the Lord said, come, you blessed of my Father, enter into the joy of the Lord. Known of God and knowing the Lord and knowing his voice as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live. Doctor, come tell me about you dying. I said, Doc, let me explain something to you. It's an appointment. Once you are born, you have begun to die. Once you are born, you have begun to die. You have just not reached the date of the appointment. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. So mankind has been deceived by those of the scientific uh, movement, the scientific department. Telling them about they're going to be kept alive. No man can keep alive his own soul. Once you are born, you're on your way to die. Except the Lord comes before and you are caught up. As dying. And behold, we live. I live because Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the power of God. Though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day in this earthly tabernacle we moan and groan this is not me this is my earthly tabernacle this is where i live for now that's chastened and yet not killed folk will always be coming at you but take it chastening is good they love you the father chastened the son whom he loved. When you are chastened, know this, that God is saying, I love you, yet not killed. As sorrowful, there are times when the joy is on the wane. But yet you're always rejoicing. Things will happen. Things will come your way. And weeping may endure for a night. But that joy will come in the morning as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, rejoicing in tribulation. Oh, you have a whole bunch of folks scared of that word. All tribulation does to the believer is work patience. Tribulation work at patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope make it not a shame. But when your life is filled with sin and disregard for the Lord and the ways of the Lord, you are so fearful that you don't know his word. The sting of death is sin. But when you are in the Lord, you can be sorrowful yet always rejoicing. You can always be rejoicing. That's poor. Oh, long you've been in America and you don't have anything. That's poor. Yet making many rich. The riches of the Lord, the blessings of the Lord make it rich and add it no sorrow. We have a different value system. The things we value. The things we hold dear. The fashion of this world passeth away and oh, you might care about houses and land, fine clothes and riches. I've never seen a man taking that stuff with him. But we are occupants. You know, they send mail to your house. And they put a name on it. 
and then they said our occupant because they know the name that is on it must leave not may leave he must leave so they put our occupant so if you're occupying a place you can open it up it's yours we are pilgrims and strangers passing through don't tell me about oh this is my car no you're the driver this is my house no you're the occupant these are my clothes no you're wearing them <laughs> the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof you don't believe me live long enough till you die then see whose shall it be as poor yet making many rich as having nothing yet possessing all things look at my beautiful backyard look at my beautiful backyard I have nothing but I am occupying I'm possessing until he calls me home then Paul shouted oh ye Corinthians oh ye Corinthians our mouth is open unto you our heart is enlarged you're not straightened in us you're not chastised by us but you are straightened in your own self and by your own spirit you are straightened by the spirit of the Lord correcting you speaking to your conscience and your heart the word says and now for recompensing the same be ye also enlarged now for a recompense will compensate you again now for a recompensing the same I speak to as unto my children just like I would talk to my four children I'm speaking to you as one God has placed by his grace in the church now for recompensing the same be ye also enlarged possessing all things as an occupant then he said be ye not unequally let me say that word again be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers you have the false cunning crafty deceitful preachers telling people about the word say you mustn't be yoked together with unbelievers that's false you work with unbelievers you travel with unbelievers you live with unbelievers but he said be ye not unequally you must have equal or the abundance, the preponderance of the power in a relationship with unbelievers. Or else you must need go out of this world. You couldn't work on a job because your boss may just be an unbeliever. You couldn't ride a plane or a train or the bus. You don't just mean me being yoked, don't just mean being married. But folk try to twist you and turn you to bind you to their benches to make you remain in their places of assembly that they can reap your natural things your offerings and they twist the word handling it deceitfully to keep you there so that you can enrich them the word says be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers what does that mean that you have to have as much say and as much power in the real if you get on the bus you're paying your fare you get a ticket or something 
So if something go wrong, you can say, okay, since this man is an unbeliever, I can stand in a court of law with my ticket showing that I paid to get on this bus. I have the right and the privilege to be on this bus. So therefore, I am yoked with these people on this bus. The same thing with a plane, a train. So it's very important that we understand. It just don't mean to be married to someone. But they try to use that to twist you and to turn you, not telling you the truth of God's word. Now the word says, if any brother or a sister that believe is married to somebody who don't believe, right away, right there, the believer have a spouse that is not a believer, he say you shouldn't leave that person. Well, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So if you're married to a person, God save you. You yoke to an unbeliever. The Lord said, don't leave that person. Because the sanctified wife sanctified the husband. And the sanctified husband sanctified the wife. Else were your children unclean. But now they are holy. But you have to have balance in the relationship. You have to have equal say in the relationship. But if the unbeliever depart, let him depart. You as a brother. You as a sister is not under bondage in such cases. We got to teach the truth of the word, not handling the word deceitfully because you and you and you shall be brought in the judgment and you're going to have to give account for every word that you said. So when you tell folk, be not yoked with unbelievers and you make it so it look like they can't be married to somebody. The Bible says, let every man have his own wife, every woman have her own husband. Man must have his own wife. The woman have her own husband. He says, be not unequally. Equality, liberty in the relationship. He says, for what fellowship adds righteousness with unrighteousness? When you get on that bus, what are you doing on that bus with a whole bunch of unrighteous people? What fellowship? You fellowshipping with them on that bus. On that bus with a whole bunch of unsafe folk. What are you doing riding on that bus? On that plane? On that train? Didn't you say you mustn't be yoked with unbelievers? Well, how come? What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What agreement hath Christ with Belial? Why you buy a ticket? For the plane, why you make an agreement to ride the plane with the sons and daughters of the devil? But he said, unequally, when you buy your ticket, you get rights, equal rights. Or what part at he that believeth with an infidel? You go to the ball game and you're going to take up a... What part do you have with the infidels? But you got your ticket. Hello, somebody. And what agreement at the temple of God with idols? What agreement did you make? You went in that store that were that is managed by believers in idols. And you make an agreement with them to deliver your furniture. What agreement you're making with them? You yoke. But you have your receipt that you paid for the stuff. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles. Eat, purchase. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
God bless you today, beloved. God bless you. Our time is gone. But this is exciting. The Bible says, and walk. Walk in the right ways of God. What agreement at the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Temple of God on the same train, plane, or bus with idols. You got your ticket. <laughs> As God had said, I will dwell in them. I will dwell in you and walk in you. I will be your God, he said. And you shall be my people. So then he said, wherefore, wherefore, come out from among them. Come out from among, you don't have a ticket. You don't have an equal voice in the relationship, in the partnership, in the whatever. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Oh, time is gone today. So I must step away from here that you might approach the throne of grace for yourself because you are a royal priesthood. You are a minister of reconciliation. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.
Amen, amen, amen. Come on home, beloved. Come on home, won't you? Won't you please? Please come home.